Hello from sunny Portugal. I'm here for a couple of weeks and then afterwards I'm on to Dubai and India. And then last but not least, back in beautiful Singapore. Yes, it may be a summer break for many of us, but we're still committed to doing those daily videos that will help everyone understand the sometimes complex world of cross-border transactions as we and our team of tax advisors seek to demystify that's sometimes confusing. Well, my name is Darren Joseph. Please visit hg.tax. Uh, we have over 1,000 videos, over 2,000 articles on completely free of charge on cross-border tax issues. So today I want to talk about three things, Form 76NA, Form 5173, otherwise known as a transfer certificate, and the concept of domicile. But domicile is broad, so domicile as uh as applies to transfer taxes. So anyway, so let's start at the beginning. So 706NA. So 706NA is United States estate and generation skipping transfer tax return. It's a tax form used to calculate the tax liabilities for the estates with or for states with US-based assets and general and generation skipping transfers of non-resident descendants. So basically if somebody passes away with US CITES asset or assets in the United States, it may trigger a 706NA. So the 706NA, of course, is from the IRS, and typically it needs to be filed nine months after the death of someone where the estate's value exceeds the threshold, filing threshold of 60,000 US dollars. So the key messages would be that the 706NA is used to calculate the tax liabilities for estates of individuals with US-based asset assets that are part of their estates who are not citizens. I'll come back to that later when we discuss domicile. U.S.-based assets that would be considered part of an estate include, would include things like real estate, physical, personal property, or securities related to U.S. companies. <laughs> Nine out of ten times we do this, we do this pretty regularly. We do one or two a month. And it's typically going to be uh, an investment account in the U.S. That, that's typically what it is. And I'll give you an example of that later on. Okay, so let's talk about, so we've established what the 76NA is. Chances are you already knew this. If you clicked on this, you on it because you knew what it is. You want to find out more. So, so here are two issues that our clients typically have. So, first of all, the the 706 NA may be due even though someone is a U.S. citizen. So you you got you understand this. So because normally you'd associate the 706 NA with non-citizens, non-residents, but it can be due when someone is a U.S. citizen. How so? Now, to answer this, I need to refer to the Internal Revenue Manual because the form instructions, when you look at the instructions for the 76NA, they're not very clear. So we need to look at the manual. And hopefully, yeah, yeah there's a screenshot of the actual manual. That, uh, this is the manual that revenue agents use. So in the manual, it says that the term resident in the transfer tax context is different from the definition of resident in the income tax context. And this is really difficult to, to digest sometimes. So residence in the transfer tax contest is based on the concept of someone's domicile. So then the question becomes, well, hold on, what's a domicile? So because domicile is a, a term thrown around in different jurisdictions, use a term in different rules. So domicile is a legal term that's relevant to the jurisdiction that we're talking about. In this case, we're talking about the U.S., but in, even in the U.S., in, in law, in tax law, there are multiple domiciles. So, for example, there's state tax domicile, but we're talking about 
federal tax domicile for transfer tax purposes. So bit different, right? So domicile in the manual is defined as living within a country with no definite present intent of leaving. Determining domicile of estate and give tax purposes is fact specific. Once a non-citizen establishes domicile in the U.S. Is, dom establishes the U.S. as a domicile, they remain a U.S. domiciliary until the new domicile is established. If there is doubt as to the location of domicile, there is a rebuttable presumption that the dissident, the person who passed away, was domiciled within the country they resided. Right. So if you want to get more, if you really were taxing like me, you want to jump into this in a bit more detail. You need to look at the regulations, right? So you're looking at part 20, sub, uh, sub chapter B, chapter one, title 26, code of federal regulations. So you can, I, I normally go to Cornell University's website and they have all the federal tax laws up there. So you can have a look there and, and look at it. But basically the concept of domicile is not firmly established in tax code. So there's a whole rich body of case law. So I also have a, an article that I, I wrote on our website. So if you go to hj.tax and you type in domicile estate tax, and I, you know, there's some really landmark cases that used to, used to establish the concept of domicile, um, some precedents that may or may not be helpful to you. Of course, this is not legal advice. You need to speak with a qualified professional, but it gives you a sense as to, uh, you know, how, how nebulous it, the, the term is. So in other words, somebody could be a non-citizen, yet be U.S. domicile, and someone can be a U.S. citizen and be a not, someone could be a non-citizen, but you be U.S. domicile, or someone could be a citizen, yet not be U.S. domicile, for transfer tax purposes. Okay, so this, this is really an important point. So we have clients because they resided, they may be citizens, they resided all their life outside of the U.S., uh, the financial institution, for whatever reason, I guess for that reason, they have assumed, hey, this person is non-domicile. We need a transfer certificate. We need a 706NA. Now, you may want to push back on that uh, if it is that you believe that you have a fact pattern which suggests that you, well, the, the person who passed away, not you, but the person who passed away, maybe U.S. domicile. And it's a point really for contention right now since the lifetime transfer, you know, you, you get a, a, a lifetime credit, so unified lifetime credit of roughly around $12 million right now. So that is a big amount. And especially if you're facing a huge tax bill, filing the 7698, you may want to get a, a legal professional who specializes in estate tax issues. Now, this is a specialized area of tax, and you need a professional who specializes in it. going to reach out to them. And you, know, you may want to engage the services because, you know, we've seen, obviously, given this pretty low threshold, and the pretty high estate tax uh, rate, forty percent. This could be a, a pretty contentious issue. Okay, so I'll leave that one there. Next thing I want to do is talk about uh, an interesting case because, and this comes out to the second point. Because remember, I said I wanted to discuss two points. The first point would be, yeah, that the seven six NA and the concept of domicile is really tricky. So. If a non-citizen may have to file it because they're domiciled or a citizen may need to file it because they're not domiciled. It's, it's you know, and it can be kind of tricky to wrap your head around. So the second one is the, the position is why, because, okay, so when you file a 76NA and you pay any taxes that are due, the, the IRS kind of gives you like a green light, like a, a, you have been a good taxpayer, uh, 
piece of paper. And that piece of paper, that certificate that says that this estate has been cleared of all tax liabilities is called a Form 5173, otherwise known as a transfer certificate. So many of you or many people, I guess, would be interested in this topic. Someone has passed away and you approach a financial institution and say, yeah, no problem. Can I see a transfer certificate, please? So you get a transfer certificate by filing the 706-NA. So uh, more specifically, it's an IRS the uh, IRS, IRS issued form that states that the foreign estate tax liability has been paid or settled and the investment custodian can then release the assets to the executor. So this, the assets, obviously this would apply to only be US CITES assets. As, as, you know, discussed earlier, typically it's a securities account nine times out of 10 for our clients, probably 10 out of 10 really. So anyway, so there was this particular case, so, you know, because clients do push back, why do I need a transfer certificate? And here's a case of someone who took it a little bit further. So uh, if you want to Google the citation, this is Carmela Riviera versus Fidelity Investments Inc. So Fidelity. So the plaintiff, Carmela Rivero, she, you know, her, the, I mean, the facts of the case were, okay, her, her husband, who was a Mexican national, so not a U.S. person, but a Mexican national, uh, she held um, a brokerage account with Fidelity jointly with her late husband, Jorge Diaz Gonzalez Medrano. So he passed away and joint tenants, rights of survivorship. It's an easy, you know, it's open and shut, right? It, it obviously, it's all hers now, which is fine. I mean, Fidelity had no problem with that, but Fidelity's policy said, hey, we need to see a transfer certificate because you know, her husband was non-US, a non-citizen, non-resident. So yeah, we, we need to see that paperwork. For whatever reason, it's a whole long with it thing, but for whatever reason, she did not want to uh, produce a certificate. She did not want to file the 76NA. She didn't want to go through that entire process for some, you know, personal whatever reasons, right? The, the situation with her, with the late husband's estate was a bit complicated. I'll, I'll just go. But the point is that she pushed back on it. So she went to court. She got an attorney and she went to court. And she, she basically was trying to argue to her attorney that, Hey, this is Claire. He's my, he was my husband. He's passed. This is mine. Why is Fidelity pressuring me for this transfer certificate? So the court considered it and the court found that it, it was without jurisdiction to issue a declaration. The issue the declaration requested by Rivera. So the court dismissed the case for lack of subject matter jurisdiction. So the court is basically saying, this is for those who want to Google it. I gave you the citation. So Carmela Rivero versus Fidelity Investments Inc. This is the U.S. District Court in Eastern District of Texas. So anyway, so the court dismissed the case and said they don't have jurisdiction over this. This is an IRS matter. And they, you know, this leave it to the IRS and, you know, they have nothing to say. So she's appealed it and I believe has gone up to the Supreme Court. But the, the bottom line is that if it is that you're going to push back on financial institutions who insist on a 5173, it's going to be an uphill battle. I'm not saying don't do it. You Absolutely, you within your right to always seek legal counsel from a qualified professional. But bear in mind, it's an upper legal, legal battle. This this lady has been in this case has been in court for I think about three years now, uh, and you know who knows how it's going to turn out. But the the point is that when it comes to estate tax 
and estate tax matters. It is very, very complex and it's way different from income tax. So you want to speak to professionals for whom this is an area of expertise. Sometimes it may even involve tax treaties. Actually, I'll probably do another video talking about tax treaties like UK, US treaties and estate taxes. Okay, that, that's, that's interesting. So if you're a six, seven, or eight-figure investor, entrepreneur, or business owner who needs a tailor-made solution from a qualified team of professionals, we can help you achieve the international lifestyle, the freedom, and even the tax savings you're looking for. Visit us at htj.tax and live that international life.